Hey guys, welcome to Let's Talk About Sex Jamie. I'm Jamie, and on this week's episode, we have the awesome Madam Storm uh, talking about an online workshop that she's running in a few days. So if you listen to this, uh, chances are you might have missed it, but hopefully not. It's on the 12th. Um, you should definitely check it out. I'm going to be there. It's going to be really fun. Um, and links to tickets for that are in uh, the description. Um, she also runs all kinds of really cool workshops for um, confidence, body confidence, and like uh, mistress workshops stuff like that. Um, yeah, definitely check her out. Um, links in the description, as I said. And I'm also talking to Jared from Pinky Promise, um, who's also doing some really cool things in the world of sex and intimacy. And yeah, you should check that out. We talk about um, masturbation, basically. Just a couple of wankers talking about wanking. And yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Um, let us know what you think on Instagram and all that. Give us a review. You know, the normal stuff that podcasts say. And yeah, enjoy. Love you. Bye. Hey, Jared. Hey, Jamie. How's it going? Yeah, things are all good. I've just uh, been rubbing my eyes senselessly uh, <laughs> as I kind of try to overcome another season of hay fever. <laughs> there you go rubbing your eyes and slowly going blind kind of mm. links into what you wanted to talk about today actually <laughs> <laughs> very much so very on very on theme yeah so you want to talk to me about masturbation today i did yes i wanted to talk about i guess destigmatizing the taboo around it and the shame that i think men have uh whilst talking about it and kind yeah. of part of the broader spectrum of kind of talking about kind of our sexuality hmm yeah, sounds good. So what what do you mean then by shame exactly around it? So I feel growing up, um, I identify as a cis male. I have felt a deep sense of kind of shame uh, surrounding my uh, journey into kind of talking about things such as masturbation and mm. sex with other male friends. And I've always kind of wondered why this has been the case because I, you know, I remember at school, all, we were all doing it when we were, you know, eight or <laughs> nine or, and I try to say we, I, I, I know, I, I guess speaking of myself, but I felt, you know, a lot of my friends were, were all very busy, um, bashing the bishop. <laughs> and it was always, uh, it was, how many of those do you have written down? You're going to go through loads of those now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, um, we were all talking about it and doing it and there was no sense of shame. It was kind of almost a sense of a thing that actually brought me and a lot of kind of friends together. This was when we were very young. Yeah. Um, and I felt... So it brought you together. So you were talking about it. We were talking about it, but very in a, in a skittish way of like, in a, talking solely about the act. And I mean, oh, I, right. I, I remembered, I, was, I did feel quite uncomfortable being so candidly open uh, friends talk about it but I felt it was a thing that didn't have any sense of shame if anything it was expected of you so I remember yeah. I got into it because I was kind of peer pressured that everyone else was doing it so I felt I therefore must do it yeah um but I, I remember at that time you know when maybe it was 14 that for guys it was it was this thing that kind of brought us together that kind of allowed us to identify I guess the start of puberty really you know yeah. it was this 
feeling that oh okay we're, we're on this journey of to mm. kind of feel perpetually horny but then I, I you know as I think I became kind of more sexually active and over the time I realized that to kind of be seen to be masturbating was a as a sign of like, oh, you're therefore not having sex. But I felt it kind of like cut off at that point. So you, you were then kind of expected really to have almost maybe like stopped when you were like 17, 18, right. especially, you know, when, when I was having girlfriends as well, kind of, mm. it was, it was deemed to be a thing that you couldn't really do when you had a girlfriend because you're supposed <laughs> to have sex with her. And, yeah. and, and I remember it was, it kind of changed the shift for me that it was therefore something to be discouraged and it was, you know, I could look at it in my past of like, oh, you know, I'll do it when I was 14, but no way would I do it now and I'm right. 18. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a grown adult. And I realised I really took that kind of element of, of shame and secrecy into going, you know, into university. I remember being at university and all my female friends and, and flatmates were they're all very comfortable talking about masturbation and the toys that they've got. And, mm, and yeah. it was very, really celebrated and I'd, you know, encourage the conversations. So I was like, this is wonderful that you feel so comfortable doing, talking about this because yeah. I remember at school, you know, that a lot, so many of my female friends were all shamed about it. You know, no girls would want to admit that they did it. Um, yeah. I suppose I like that's, that's like in a way kind of, um, helped by the whole like Anne Summers party thing. I remember that was a mm. thing when I was in, I must have been about 16, 17. The girls in our group would like go to like, you know, they're like, parents and summer's parties and they'd all joke and like giggle and get drunk and buy vibrators and stuff there, there, there is no male equivalent of that right mm. and when you think about sex toys for men it's seen as like a kind of Ugh, sort of thing <laughs> like oh mm. like, you'd get like a like a you know plastic vagina that you'd fuck like, it's yeah. seen as like a weird thing whereas girls they celebrate vibrators right I think this is, I mean, this is what I found was, you know, the market of what I always thought male sex toys were those annoying pop-ups you'd get on, you know, <laughs> yeah. websites. I'll say, do you want to use this like flashlight? And it would always yeah. be this kind of, I don't know, this always a cartoon as well. It's <laughs> like, why are they sending me this cartoon of this kind of flashlight? And so that was it. My association with it was never one that was actually like a positive connotation of the yeah. toy could be used for me rather than it was this kind of weird targeted ad Mm. Uh, that yeah. surely didn't really make sense to, to use. So I felt that's kind of really what I carried at, at university was porn ought to be shamed. And obviously, you know, that there was deep conversations around the nature of porn as well, being incredibly misrepresentative of actually what sex is. Yeah. Um, and I felt I kind of really used that kind of argument, but again, was kind of caught in this conflict of like, but I still masturbate but i'm not talking to anyone about it right, and it's just yeah. like dirty little secret that you know you only have between you and yourself um yeah. and however many other imaginary friends you have in your room <laughs> um and i guess yeah it kind of like brought me really deep inside of like how, how can i express this and and you know if it was therefore i guess i held to the view that i could only make sense of my sexuality a through sex and it has to be also with someone else. Yeah. It can never be really in my own kind of um, realm. Yeah, well, that's definitely a thing that I'm sure you'll get onto, but the whole, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone and you're masturbating, it's seen as there's a problem in the relationship. Mm. Like it's, yeah, it's seen as a, it's not enough. My relationship isn't enough, so I have to masturbate to make up for it. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, you'll be able to put it into better words than me, but I feel like it's it's a different kind of sex, right? 
sex with yourself is different to sex with someone else. Completely. I feel that, you know, anytime I remember it would be brought up with like previous girlfriends and they would ask me if I would masturbate. And at first I would deny it. Like it was this yeah. thing that I felt shame yeah, yeah. I had to deny. And then when I'd admit it, God, it would like cause, you know, a deep sense of sadness that they'd feel of like feeling that their sense of inadequacy or almost like cheating yeah. or like, are they not enough? And I wouldn't really know then how to kind of explain why I then did it because it was like, you know, but it, for me, it was always this different experience of, but it's not about that I don't want to have sex with you. It's the fact that I'm wanting to, I guess it's, you know, we, I see it as being a, a great creative outlet to kind of understand your sexuality mm. and what kind of turns you on. But also, you know, it's, it's definitely part of a kind of positive sexual lifestyle to be kind of engaging with this act. But I felt... Yeah. I can never really express that for fear of it coming across as like, wait, you're a man and you, yeah. you masturbate. Like it must be the, the girlfriend's problem or yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think there's, there's some like some weird caveman th stuff going on there. Like, you know, you're wasting your seed on yourself Ooh, <laughs> when you have a partner. Like, I think that's definitely, cause there's that whole, like, you know, everyone feels guilt sometimes after they masturbate like a weird sense of shame or guilt, like deep in your brain. I do think as a subconscious part of your, you know, our, our old, like, you know, DNA strands are firing off saying like, this should have been with someone else. That's not, it's, you know, this isn't for you. This is for recreating. Um, so yeah, I think that's quite hard to shake sometimes. Completely. I, I mean, that's so much tied to this like link of like, also, but always raring to go and we kind of need to put our seed in everything and everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is probably also where we kind of, I definitely know I speak for myself of the way I, I would see masturbation was rather than going against that expectation on me and rather be like, no, look at me, waste a seed. It's not <laughs> anyone else but me. I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you weird <laughs> notions of masculinity. Um, completely. It was, it was the idea that I, I felt that we had a complete, I guess it's, yeah, like a lack of support in terms of understanding what, are probably communicating our desires between other other guys as well i i, I really yeah. um never had that as an outlet never I, I always felt really comfortable talking to i guess like femme friends that had a lot more of a sophisticated understanding of sex and their sense of pleasure but for us and well for me i i i had no one i i felt i could only kind of undercover my sense of arousal what was desire what i desired and the I guess what I wanted was solely through having sex with others. And I kind of really used then just masturbation simply as just a tool to, you know, to get to sleep or to kind of like yeah. calm myself down. And, and, you know, it was such a, my relationship to it. And I guess my own personal sexuality was therefore just seeing it as a tool, not like as a, yeah, as a well, sphere that's, of. That's, that's definitely why I wanted to talk to you about this because I still see it as that. I think for me, it's, it's a chemical release probably every time. I don't, I don't see it as like a kind of sometimes, well, maybe, yeah, maybe not every time, but like, I don't always see it as like a kind of, Oh, let's explore myself. Let's, you know, enjoy this. I think 95% of the time when I masturbate, it's, it's, it's a tool. Yeah. I'm using it for like a chemical release and like to, to focus or to sleep or, you know, Mm, yeah I mean I, I can completely relate to that as well and I think I think it's only literally only now being kind of quarantined and seeing that I've got all this time on my hands um 
is okay. I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely wasn't serving its purpose. I think at the beginning of, of lockdown where I was like, I had to kind of accept that I wasn't going to be having sex with, with partners or, you know, yeah. with, with lovers. So I was like, okay, well, I guess it just means I'm just going to masturbate through the apocalypse. And I think like <laughs> two weeks in, I was like, no, I'm still quite sad actually. <laughs> and, you know, cause I think what it kind of really actually showed me and I think, it showed me essentially masturbation is kind of where my unmet needs were. And okay. I think really where that kind of led to was actually, you know, I'm not even wanting sex. I'm, I'm just wanting to be like cradled and, and held okay. and to touch and to kind of, that's what I then realized kind of the journey led through masturbation was actually like, okay, where's the sense of what am I missing? Okay. You know, because I'm not trying to use one to replace the other. It, so it didn't feel like a replacement for you then. It didn't feel like, Obviously, it would never feel like a replacement, but like you felt like you were lacking more than just an orgasm in mm, lockdown. Completely. And I think yeah. this is something that also, you know, to do with the orgasm for me, it's never really been, yeah, it's never really been this priority for me. If, if anything, really, I kind of don't like it whenever there is a sense of pressure to, to kind of to, to ejaculate in order to, you know, to orgasm to. Sh- because I think they also, of course, for a lot of guys, they're so dependent on a woman to come and there's pressure for a female woman or, you know, mm. the other partner to come yeah. as, a, as a form of like, oh, they've done good. Uh, yeah. It's a yeah. But then, you know, when that's in place on me, I feel even more so, you know, a heightened sense of pressure. And I think... Based on you as in you're expected to come. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To show kind of into it. And I think that's why I've, anytime I've, even something that I've kind of communicated, I'll be like, listen, it's really doesn't please don't worry if I don't come like it's yeah. totally fine yeah. I felt that's the same thing kind of masturbation it wouldn't sometimes it would be this means to an end of like okay I just need to like of course like blow off some steam or you know like, I yeah. need to get to sleep now but I also kind of sometimes see it as the act of like just being engaged with like my sexuality you know I'd see it as like okay do that and I won't need you know I won't need to see it as a release because sometimes that notion even of edging you know when you're with also a partner that you don't come I like to do the same thing with myself yeah and it allows that kind of feeling to kind of I don't know transfer that kind of energy all around my body rather than it being this kind of quick thing that's out released and I feel shit or like yeah. sad or just like oh I'm still alone <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah it's like a nice thing to kind of I don't know, tap into. Yeah. So that's, that's super interesting for me because, um, I've talked about a lot on the podcast. So I'm a recovering sex addict. And when I first started getting treatment for that, uh, about really over a year ago now, I, some, some counselors recommended that I tried abstinence, um, and not coming at all. And I tried it for like a week, maybe, and was like, that feels nice. But I didn't feel like I was really tackling the problem. It turns out like through like more months of like, you know, introspection and counseling and all that stuff that my addiction was actually more related to the validation I got from someone else, you know, wanting to Mm. have sex with me. So it was, I thought that was interesting because I did, I didn't have a problem with masturbating. Like my mass, you know, I, I masturbate a fine amount for me. I think it works for me and I wasn't addicted to it. I'm not addicted to it. You know, I can go a while without doing it and it's fine. Um, but what I did, what I was addicted to was the validation side of it. So yeah, that's really interesting that you say that. Um, yeah, you haven't been able to just sort of replace sex with wanking mm. in lockdown because for you, you're getting different things from it. 
Completely, and I think you've you've raised a really interesting point because I think there's, I mean, if you go into Reddit, there's that whole movement around semen retention, and I think it's mm. seemed to be that a lot of guys that you know actively love to kind of present, you know, I haven't masturbated in this long, and now I'm feeling so focused and energized, and it's you know, and of course maybe it works for everyone, but that it works for different people, but yeah. you know, there has been. I think I read that, you know, there's been no actual specific evidence that this necessarily helps in some yeah. way. I think it's, you know, what you use for that. I don't know. I guess if you feel it's got an outcome that you want to kind of feel less, maybe like horny, or if you feel you kind of want to have a sense of control, you know, cause I think that's where it stems to. It still stems on that feeling of like being quite proud to say that you haven't masturbated. And I think that's yeah. not part, you know, that's not leading into a positive aspect or positive perspective around your sexuality you know we shouldn't be shaming the act you know yeah. we, of course if you feel you've got a problem that you're doing it how many times a day and and you're feeling actually it's physically causing you distress and it's also an issue with you know your partners so that you can't say maybe get it up of course you know you can address it but i feel yeah. there's this whole argument i think for guys to be like yeah i haven't masturbated in like two months i'm like feeling great better than ever yeah as if like that makes you a better person that you haven't yeah well, that's the tricky them. part because like i think fight, fighting an urge and uh you know not giving in is a beautiful thing and that and mm. if you if you feel proud of that hell yeah you should feel proud of it but like yeah it doesn't mean that the people that don't want to fight the urge <laughs> don't, don't like shouldn't feel proud of it mm. like i don't really fight the urge i tried for a bit when it was like you know recommended by a doctor <laughs> i was like thanks that was fun but never do that again um <laughs> But yeah, that, that whole that whole like no fap kind of community on Reddit is super mm. interesting because yeah, like you say, there's not much medical evidence in it, but they're seeing a difference, and that you know they go as far as like I, I laugh and I read their stories and like it's obviously you know it's given them a lot of confidence, but they're saying things like you know because of this like semen retention and you know the no fap stuff, they're now like more attractive to women because they have all these pheromones they didn't have before. They're not, they're not like purging their bodies of these pheromones. And so they can walk into a bar and they feel like all the women are staring at them. And my cynical mind is saying, well, if there's not much medical evidence in that, maybe you're just feeling better about yourself. Maybe mm. that, and that's good. That's great. Like placebo is, is powerful. You know, placebo is one of the strongest drugs we have. Like, I think if, if these guys are, they feel like they're more attractive, you know, to whoever because of this, then that's great. Personally, I think that they're getting more out of the fact that they've had to fight this urge and they've succeeded mm. than some mm. sort of, you know, hormone retention thing that they're talking about. Yeah, I completely agree. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, so do you feel like you sort of have male friends now that you can talk to about masturbating? I feel this is a very new thing, even for me to feel, you know, to feel comfortable. And I think part of what I do with Pinky Promise um, in terms of kind of creating a safe space to kind of to present these arguments and conversations around sex and sexuality and to kind of debunk the myths and, and break the kind of taboos, but also just offer it as a shame-free space has led for me to could be a lot more confronting of my own like hang-ups around it. So I think it's, you know, part of being on this journey for myself of kind of navigating it and then doing it pinky promise. It's kind of been very much tied together. Because um, I will for sure say that before setting pinky promise up I, I felt my I didn't feel as comfortable being so openly expressive around sex and in terms of conversations yeah. and I felt as I've now been you know we do workshops every single day and you know publish literature and these parties I felt I've had to kind of put myself in I guess I've had to check myself and feel like okay what am I actively kind of promoting with these workshops and these events how can I 
instantly also align my own perspectives within this. And, you know, cause yeah. I had a lot of, again, I, you know, had this deep sense of shame and, um, I felt none, no one around me actively openly spoke around sex. And I think yeah. this goes into kind of how we view sex. And I think, you know, especially for those that consider themselves a feminist and consider themselves very kind of aware of like the stance and the privilege and the kind of power relations that, you know, men have held and, you know, we're actively trying to kind of dismantle patriarchy. We felt to be talking about sex with kind of like can seem to be quite, um, I don't know, I guess it felt, I don't want to ever feel like I'm threatening anyone or feeling like making anyone feel uncomfortable or intimidating by talking about it. Because of course, I think I've always aligned it, you know, it could trigger people. And I think that's where I've mm. been really wary of how I frame the conversations around sex. I've never been one to talk about it physically. I've always spoke about sex, about the ideas, the, the landscape around it and mm. never have, spoken even when i've spoken to you know other friends about sex people you know i talk about maybe a, a new partner that i have i would never feel comfortable talking about it but then i then speak to female friends and they say you know they when they're kind of um or you know those those that identify as, as firm and they say that when they talk about sex with their friends they go into a lot of detail and they go into like mm. a lot of the almost like the anatomy of, of it yeah. and um and i found it just always really interesting that we've never really had that kind of growing up I'd, especially the, the men that i surrounded myself with would so never talk about sex in like a kind of conquest form or kind of talk about it in like i don't know always be quite I'd, yeah, I guess fortunately just really polite about it, but I guess at the same mm. time we never were then that understanding or like allowed ourselves to kind of talk about the issues we faced actually when we had sex or like navigating the, the conversations that were around it. Instead, it would be like, oh, so I heard you booked up with, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. And that would yeah. be it. That would, that would be the conversation ended. Yeah, totally. I, I had a lot of like the, the kind of environment that I grew up around in school was very, it was very conquest chat. So yeah, it was like, you know, I heard you got with that person, then like a pat on the back, <laughs> you know, how was it? <laughs> it's probably as deep as it goes. Um, yeah, I would love to chat to guys about the, the sort of anatomy of it. Cause yeah, like I'm the same as you. I, I, I speak to girls about it all the time and like real specifics, like I want to know everything because I think it's just a fun thing to talk about and, you know, it's all like learning and, and all that stuff. Everyone wants to be good in bed, right? And the, the more you talk about it, the better. Um, so I think, yeah, I'd love to hear more guys talking about it um, mm. on a more kind of, yeah, anatomy level. Or, yeah. I think it's like holistic. I think it's like doing it in, I, I mean, I always found it interesting when friends would actually open up to me later on, you know, of our friendship of opening up being like about their struggles to do with it from porn addiction to kind of erectile dysfunction to talk about performance anxiety, talk about like nervousness of even approaching someone that they're fancy or interested in for kind of fears of like, how do I kind of talk to them? And I don't want to seem encroaching with their space, especially, you know, in light of me too, it's left a lot of like, all of us, like how do we kind of navigate ourselves in this kind of new realm of like, we want to be polite, we want to be respectful, we want to be kind of adoring and appreciating of this individual, even is even having these sexual urges for the other person allowed. Is it kind of encroaching yeah. on their kind of autonomy? And, you know, all these kind of questions we're asking ourselves, but we're not actually talking to her. Mm. I, I found myself, I wasn't talking to anyone about it. I guess, you know, I, I have found myself in kind of, a, I guess I was a serial... I was always in a relationship from a very young age from mm. like I remember 14 um all you know up until I'd say maybe like a year ago I found myself in quite committed relationships and I think that's been really 
helpful in me having always someone to kind of ground me in my beliefs, but also to always share these kind of thoughts and perspectives of having quite a healthy dialogue around sex. But at the same time, it's meant that I guess that that guy that's in a relationship isn't going to be so much talking to his like single friends about relationship life. Instead, it would be them going off talking about kind of singleton of like hooking up and you know you're, the, the way of relating talking about sex is very different because you're going through these different experiences um and i think it's it's essentially kind of meant that i don't know these the spaces in which we kind of talk about lovers or talking about things that we you know feel we we're kind of craving this authentic honest conversation has never really kind of been brought up and especially in like groups of friends because if you're also around loads of other couples for example i don't know i, f- I felt there was this kind of sense of don't show that you're struggling at any point especially <laughs> yeah. as a guy don't show that you're kind of going through these issues and if mm. you do you can only talk to them with your partner because you don't want to seem to kind of cross as like bitching about them or you don't want to come across yeah. it like you know you want to use this time and not talk about being in a relationship but you want to catch up with them you know and, yeah mm. um so i think this is where I think definitely, yeah, for guys, it's been this trouble of not finding ourselves in enough spaces or opportunities with, with even close friends to, to allow that, like, yeah, just to allow that kind of honest, vulnerable chat to kind of occur. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's a hard thing to start, isn't it? But I do think that once once a conversation like that started, it kind of flows as long as you're in the right, the right environment, it flows because yeah, it's one of those things where I think everyone's got opinions on the matter and experiences, but yeah, it just needs more, you know, people to just jog the conversation, you know, give it a kickstart. I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Someone should record this conversation and put it on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> doing that now. Fuck. Hey, Madam Storm. Hello, Jamie, darling. How's it going? I'm doing very well. How are you? Ooh, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what you're about to tell me. Um, oh. So you have something special happening, don't you, on the 12th? I do. On the 12th of November, I am doing a live mistress training mm-hmm. from the Brighton Dungeon. So yes, ah, it'll be a little okay. dungeon, honey, nice. with a real sub. And it's going to be something real special. For the very first time ever, I'm going to be showing what I'm like doing a real live session. Mm-hmm. The next part of the workshop is Q&A. So that would be the opportunity for the ladies to ask me questions. I'll be covering topics such as how to find a client, how to introduce kink into a relationship, and how to train a sub. I'm also going to be playing with a female sub, which many people haven't seen before. Right. It's going to be very, very sensual because mm. I'm a very central mistress. As well as doing a Q&A, I'm actually going to be doing some teaching. So I'm going to teach the correct way how to flog. So we call these corporal punishment. So flogging, using a paddle, using mm-hmm. a cane. Yeah. We're also going to do some electrical work. So I know that okay. might sound a bit scary, but um, <laughs> it's great fun. So I'll be doing some electrical work, again, going through the health and safety of using these equipment. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing candle wax play. We're going to be doing breath play. I'm really going to show the really sensual and sexy side of domination. Mm. So it's, it's, it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be fabulous. And it's going to be done via Zoom. 
and that's nice. on 12th of November. Yeah. Cool. So how do how do people go to that? Because uh, I'm going. I'm coming. Yes, yes. Um, you can just hit my link in my bio yeah. on my Instagram at Madam Storm. Mm-hmm. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. Do make sure you get the right ticket because I have several workshops. Yeah. So make sure you get the workshop that says online. And mm-hmm. the workshop's going to be for 90 minutes. It's going to be really interactive. But I want to also let everybody know it's going to be very private. So if you don't want to have your camera on, you don't have to. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a very private session. Um, it's not going to be that many people on. It's going to be a very small group. So I get to answer all questions. And do give yourself two hours because we may run over. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. Can't wait. Yes, yes. It's going to be fabulous, Dan. And it's a great introduction for anyone who's thinking about becoming a professional mistress yeah. or anyone who actually wants to learn how to be a sub. Because yeah. being a sub is very empowering also. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And we're going into another lockdown now, so pretty handy to start. So playtime. <laughs> playtime, honey. It is playtime. Yes. All right. That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really, really means a lot to me that you have gone out your way to come and listen to me talk to people about their weird sex stories. <laughs> um, if you like what we're doing, go check us a follow on Let's Talk About Sex Jamie on Instagram. Uh, tell your friends about us. Leave a review on iTunes. All that stuff that people with podcasts say at the end, basically. Um, yeah, it really means a lot that you listen and hope to see you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.